if the British Empire and its Commonwealth last for a thousand years, men will still say, this was a fight. Small step for man, but giant leap for man. What your country can do for you, ask what you do. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. 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 Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Kids in History, um, part two of Claudette Colvin. Very exciting story, very inspirational story. Um, And before we start, I just want to warn people uh, while we do this series, um, we will be using some words that might offend some people. We don't mean to offend people, but um, in order to tell the story correctly, these are words that were used uh, in that time. So if you're offended, I apologize, but I just want to put that uh, warning out there. We do not mean to offend anyone. But yes, we are back, back to tell the story of uh, Claudette Colvin. Um, Bryce, how are you doing? Great. Doing great. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Ready to 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 put this one in the books. Um, we should be able to get through um, the rest of the story of Claudette Colvin. And again, mo- majority of our resource material that we use was the book Claudette Colvin: Twice Towards Justice um, by Philip Hughes. Um, I do highly recommend it uh, to read. It's an easy read. So if any of your kids would like to read it, um, it's a good book for them to read. But yeah, let's. Uh, Let's dive in. And for those of you who um, have not listened to part one, I highly recommend you listen to that first. But if you don't want to listen to it, fine. Just listen to this one. Um, Jump to the end. That's what I always say. If you remember in the first one, what did we go over, Bryce? Do you remember? Um, We talked about how Claudette Colvin um, was the first to, like, hold her seat on a bus and actually make a difference. And we also talked about her court case. Yes. So uh, Claudette Coven, we talked that she was the first person to refuse to give up her seat and plead not guilty. And this was nine months before Rosa Parks. And then during her court case, she was found guilty on three counts. Um, And then they appealed it to the circuit courts and that court, the judge, he found her not guilty of breaking segregation laws and disturbing the peace, but he did find her guilty of assaulting a police officer, which was pretty lame in my case because she obviously did not assault any of the police officers. Yeah. In fact, the police officer assaulted her, but it was a different time back then. And yeah, so... We're going to pick up, um, it's nine months after her court case. And on December 1st, 1955, nine months after Claudette Coven refused to give up her seat to a white passenger, 
Rosa Parks was arrested on Montgomery on a Montgomery bus for refusing to give up her seat to a white per- passenger. It sounds similar to, to Claudette. Very similar. But the different part was this. On the next day, a leaflet circulated throughout the Montgomery black community. And this leaflet said, and I quote, Another Negro woman has been arrested and thrown in jail because she refused to get up out of her seat on the bus for a white person to sit down. It is the second time since Claudette Colvin case that a Negro woman had been arrested for the same thing. This has to be stopped. We are therefore asking every Negro to stay off the buses Monday in protest of their arrest and trial. Don't ride the buses to work our town, our school, or anywhere on Monday. You can afford to stay out of school for one day if you have no other way to go except by bus. You can also afford to stay out of the town for one day. If you work, take a cab or walk. But please, children, grown-ups, don't ride the bus all day on Monday. Please stay off the buses on Monday. So, what does that sound like to you, Bryce? Um, sounds like the what's it called? The N double A P C and double A C P C P. Um, is like knew this was gonna happen, so they decided. So they had already written down a leaflet and had Rosa Parks, um, like go on the bus or let Rosa Parks decide she was gonna go on the bus. And when she was arrested and her trial happened, she they handed out all of the leaflets to like get people angry and um, boycott all the buses. Yeah, so they were prepared this time. Yeah, for Claudette Coven, when that happened, that was out of the blue. No one was prepared. Yeah, um, and this was such an important cause for civil rights that they had to make sure everything was important. Um, so that comes to the question, well, why Rosa Park and not Claudette Coven? I think it's because Claudette Coven was only 15 and Rosa Parks was like the one of the main people. She's like a really big name and a lot of people knew about her. So if she was arrested for not giving up her seat, a lot of people would trust her that they would like um, be that um, they wouldn't have to ride the buses for a few days to try and get um, everyone equal rights on the buses. Yeah, she was basically a face they could rally around. Yeah. Someone that they, they can entrust in. So when Claudette rebelled um, and didn't give up her seat, um, the Montgomery Black leadership, they were not prepared. But with Rosa Parks, it was all planned out. It was well thought out. The community was ready to take action. Also, most of the black leaderships felt that the pressures of being the face of the bus boycott movement would have been way too much for Claudette to handle since she was only a teenager. But the sad thing is, no one ever talked to Claudette. No one wanted her opinion about it. And I think that has to do because she was only a teenager. They didn't think about it, right? I did hear um, a article where she said um, something like, that she knew it had to be Rosa Parks because she was stronger than her um, and stuff, but that she probably still was a little upset when it first happened. 
Yeah, of course. And I think, you know, when you're 15, it, most 15-year-olds aren't the most confident people. Uh, they don't have the most self-confidence at that time. Yeah. And some qualities that were talked about with Rosa Parks that made her the perfect figurehead for the civil rights movement was um, she was in her 40s, so she was very mature. Yeah. Um, she was well a well-known activist through her duties at the NAACP. Um, she was a respected seamstress, and she was also said to be very calm and collected and level-headed during times of great stress. But later on, Claudette Coven's lawyer, Fred Gray, said said this, and I quote, I don't mean to take anything away from Rose or Miss Parks, but Claudette gave us all the moral courage to do what we did. So basically, and I believe it was in our part one episode where you said Claudette Coven was the spark. Yeah. And that's that's perfect words to do it because if she never did that, they never would have got Rosa Parks to do it, right? Yeah, nothing would have changed for longer. So she's, so Claudette Colvin started basically one of the biggest changes that affected probably the entire world. Yep. Um and now on December 5th, 1955, so this is four days after Rosa Parks was arrested, Martin Luther King Jr., who was just newly elected as the president of the Montgomery Improvement Association, delivered his first major public speech. That day, the Montgomery boycott was born. Um, then going back to things being well-planned, on that day, May 5th, I believe Martin Luther King, that day he was elected as the president um, as the, of the um, the Improvement Association. Now, like, why Martin Luther King? Why not E.D. Nixon, who was the president of the Montgomery chapter of the NAACP? Uh, I think because Martin Luther King at that time, he was young. He was very charismatic. Yeah. I think all those characteristics of him... They they wanted to make him kind of the face of it as well. Yeah, he was easy to like, really good at talking too. Yes, he was very charismatic. Um, so by this time, uh, Claudette had grown depressed. Um, it seemed uh, she said it seemed like everyone had turned against her, and then um, she became pregnant by an older man who took advantage of her. Um, which led to her getting expelled from high school. And again, Claudette was one of the type of teenagers who loved high school she loved learning yeah. she wanted to go to college so this was devastating to her and it was said that claudette was glad that finally an adult had stood up to the system but she felt left out yeah it, it seemed like you know she started the train but then, then the train took off without her yeah <laughs> um so then from there the the montgomery bus boycott can uh start it and the whole idea behind the bus boycott is, and I don't know if we won in this at all in uh, part one, but basically majority of the population in Montgomery that used the bus were the black communities and the back black populations. Yeah. So the owners, the white owners of the bus transportation were going to lose a lot of money. Because if um, every black person, well, most black people that could like... Um, decide not to use the buses, um, like, and they used it every day. It caused like a big blow because they start losing money really quickly. Yeah, and that was their leverage. The yeah, 
that was the civil rights um, activists' leverage to try and get the laws changed in their favor. But you know, during this time, the Jim Crow laws, just because they weren't using the buses and um, they had people using their own private cars to transport people that normally took buses to their works. Um, they walked to works, but a lot of them were intimidated. Um, a lot of them were threatened. Um, and even police officers started arresting people who were using their car to transport, to, to transport um, other black people. And that it wasn't just black people transporting. There's some white people as well that was helping out for the civil rights cla- cause as well. It just seems messed up that, that they can't, like, they, I'm sure a lot of, a few people that rode with, like, their friends almost all the time were arrested for no reason just because they were black and they were riding, or they, they were driving someone that was also black mm-hmm. that was, wasn't was related to them. So it looked like they were transporting random people. It's messed up. Well, even if they were, there's no law against transporting people. Yeah. You know, just helping out, giving people a, a, a ride to work. So nowadays we call it carpooling. <laughs> <laughs> so while the bus boycott was starting to gain momentum, Fred Gray, um, that was Claudette's lawyer that we've been talking about, had an idea. He, he was like, why not we sue the city of Montgomery and the state of Alabama, stating that segregate, segregating buses was unconstitutional since the U.S. Supreme Court had just ruled segregated schools were unconstitutional in the Brown versus Board of Ed- Education case. So a lot of times when rulings at the U.S. Supreme Court, even though they rule in one case, it could also open the door to another case. Yeah. And we're sadly, we're finding that out recently. Um, no comment. Um, so in order to do this, um, Gray had to get the approval to file the lawsuit um, through the NAACP, which he was, they gave him the approval to do it. He had to look for plaintiffs to testify in court. Basically, their experiences um, of segregation on the bus. But he knew that whoever he had testified in court would face real danger in speaking out. He ultimately settled on five women to testify. Why why do you think he picked all women? Why why aren't there any men in there? I know because two of them, like, um, people that refused to give up their seats were women. Maybe he was thinking that, like, people would believe women more than men just because... Um, they seem more like presentable or something. Well, yeah, they could sympathize more with women, yeah. um, maybe. But the main reason was during that time, as in for some cases during this time, um, the men were the, the, the breadwinners, the ones who needed to work to feed their family. Yeah. And they, they knew if they had a man testify that they could basically – he could lose his job and he won't be able to support his family. Yeah. Even though many, many of the women worked back then, a lot of them were maids and secretaries and yeah. things like that. Um, but the reason why they, he chose all women was because he didn't want that to be used to harass the men not to testify. Yeah. So while Mr. Gray was looking for the five women who he was going to pick to testify in court, he always had in mind Claudette Coven to be one of them. Yeah. 
But since she was a minor, he still had to get her parents' permission. So one night he met with them, Claudette and her parents, and he basically laid out like, hey, if she if she testifies in this court case, you know, she's she's going to get threats. She's going to possibly, her life could be in danger. So he laid it all out. He wanted to make it, you know, very transparent of yeah. what the possibilities that could happen. Um, but even through that, her parents, they said it was Claudette's decision. And when they asked Claudette, she said, yes, I want to testify. She probably felt like this might be a chance to feel less left out. Yeah, I think it was kind of a redeeming time. Yeah. Because I didn't read anywhere um, where she actually said this or anything. But from what I got was I think she kind of felt that she failed um, about, you know, getting the, the bus boycott and then they had a fault. They had to get Rosa Parks. So I think she felt kind of like she failed uh, the community. Yeah. So on the morning of May 11th, 1956, the case of Browder versus Gale was heard at the federal courthouse in Alabama. The, at this point, the bus boycott has been going on for 159 days and tensions were finally starting to boil over to a point where the mayor, he issued a grand jury to put out arrest warrants for about a hundred of the black community leaders um, in attempts to stop it. Um, so many of the leaders were arrested. Um, that's including Martin Luther King Jr. But most of them, what they did was before the police um, arrested them, they just turned themselves in because they knew if they turned themselves in, there'll be a less chance of them being kept in jail for longer or well, having a harder court case or them being arrested and being beat up and things like that. Uh, um, and so they turned themselves in, they, they paid their bail and they're released that day. So going back to the courthouse, uh, Browder versus Gail in front of a hundred spectators, Claudette sat at the plaintiff's table with Fred Gray and three other plaintiffs. So you remember he was looking for five plaintiffs. Yeah. Well, it came down to only four because the fifth plaintiff, uh, her employer threatened to fire her, um, but uh, she couldn't afford to lose her job, so she had to drop out. It's sad. Yeah. So the three plaintiffs, uh, Claudette and the three plaintiffs would have to testify in front of three federal judges, and the last to testify was Claudette Coven. So even though Claudette was the youngest plaintiff, Fred Gray had complete confidence in her since she was the first to proclaim her constitutional rights and take a stand to the injustice of segregation. Uh, Fred Gray believed in Claudette. Now Claudette just needed to believe in herself. So when Claudette finally took the, the stand under oath and in front of 100 spectators, Claudette recounted what happened to her on that fateful day when she refused to give up her seat and stand up for her constitutional rights. By the time she finished, majority of the spectators in the crowds were in tears. What do you think happened? What do you think they rolled it at? Probably since you could just see what things are like now that they rolled that um, bus seg segregation was unconstitutional. Yes. So on June 19th, 1956, the federal judges, with a vote of two to one, made the rolling of segregation on buses as unconstitutional. But get this. So the mayor of uh, Montgomery, Alabama, Gale, Mayor, mayor Gale, he vowed the city of Montgomery would hold out until the very end um, before he would unsegregate the buses. So even though they, they said it's unconstitutional, he still wasn't going to do it. Um, 
But then finally, on December 20th, 1956, so how many months? That's six months. So six months later, two federal marshals had to go to Montgomery, Alabama and serve written notices to the city officials, which stated that they had to integrate the public buses in Montgomery. So after 381 days, the Montgomery bus boycott was over. I bet secretly the the bus line owners were probably thankful. <laughs> yeah, they're like, they're probably thinking of getting new jobs by now. Yeah. And they're finally like, I don't care that it's unsegregated. I just want money. <laughs> exactly. Um, so even though segregation on buses had ended, it did not end prejudice. Basically, uh, prejudice um, and violence towards black people increased. And uh, it was just the first of a millions and millions of steps to come on the fight for civil rights, a journey that is still going on today, sadly. But to think it all started by a teenage girl who refused to let the system of racial discrimination take away her constitutional rights. Claudette ended up, so after this, after the court case that most people never even heard of. Yeah. One of the most important court case rulings. I think Fred Gray should be more known as a great lawyer. Yeah. And Claudette Colvin has a, like, um, spark of the civil rights revolution. Yeah, but I think even Claudette and Fred Gray, they would probably say, you know what, we don't care that people don't know us. Yeah. Because... Our actions are still heard today. Yeah. Um, and there was a lot of people very influential in the civil rights movement that no one knows about. Yeah. Um, and, you know, sacrificed their lives to ensure everyone is treated the same. But the main thing is their actions are still heard and seen. So after the court case, um, Claudette ended up having to move to New York because for what she's done, people knew that she testified and that her testi- testimony and the other plaintiff's testimonies led to the basically discrimination of buses. Um, she couldn't get a job. Um, and when she did get a job and they, and she, she actually took jobs under different names. But once they found out that it was her, they fired her, which is pretty sad. Jeez. So she ended up moving to New York where she, uh, she became a nurse's aide um, and had another child. But she always very stayed quiet about her role in Montgomery uh, bus boycott. Um, she really never really talked about it. Yeah. And she pretty much stayed out of the civil rights movement um, after that court case. Well, what do you think she did that for? Probably so because she felt like she didn't want to be threatened anymore. And she also maybe so other um, people could like rise and do more stuff. And maybe she just wanted, like, more of a normal life. I think that was it. I think she just wanted to live her life. But um, in 1975, a newspaper reporter um, contacted her because he was writing an article about the Montgomery bus boycott. And during his research, he found out that there was someone before Rosa Parks. And I think that was, like, the article's name. Before It was, like, before Rosa Parks, there was Claudette Colvin. Yeah. So he reached out to her, and they wrote an article about her. And so the, she started to get some notoriety. So today, Claudette, uh, Claudette Colvin speaks at local high schools about her experiences, about the importance of civil rights, and then also the role that she took um, in the Montgomery bus boycott. So, yeah, wow, what a story. Yeah. That was a long one. 
I think Claudette Colvin's still alive today, right? Yeah, she's still alive. She, I believe she still lives in uh, New York City. Yeah. Uh, is there uh, anything else? No, I think we covered it all. Yeah, we covered it all. Um, we just want to thank everyone for uh, listening. Um, appreciate it. I know this was a long one. Uh, that was a two-parter. Um, like I said, we're going to try and get more episodes out there quicker. We're shooting for one every two weeks, and our goal is to get to one, uh, one episode a week. Hopefully, we'll be able to do that, but don't hold us to it because life is busy. All right. Uh, goodbye, everyone. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.